Amen. Hey, well, that's right. We are in our study. That's right. Voodoo, vampires, and the rise of demon worship. It's number 16 of our world religions, cults, and the occult study. Now, we've already dealt with the first couple of aspects, and the very basic premise is what? The existence of demons. Is that really real? Isn't that just make-believe stuff like Satan, and that's a, a tactic of preachers to scare you and rip you off your money and all that stuff? No, they're all over the place. Old New Testament, not only Satan, uh, but also demons are all over the place. And again, unfortunately, what's the stat? 65% of those who profess to be Christians no longer believe in a literal devil, and they certainly don't believe in demons. The reason why that person is acting like that is just some sort of a psychological aberration. You know, that's just abnormal behavior. No, I'm not saying it's always this, but it could be they're demon-possessed. That is still going on today on a massive scale. So we dealt with that, the existence. Then after that, we dealt with the character Okay, and it isn't just that Satan's out there with his evil character, right, messing things up in the planet. He's got a whole horse of these fallen angels, these demons who are helping him out, and they're just as evil and rotten in character as he is. So, so there's a whole team, if you will, uh, if you want to use the term army or whatever, uh, then they're really out there. You got to deal with this, and this is not a game. They're out there to cause destruction wherever they go because they follow Satan, and that's what he does, and so they emulate that, okay? But speaking of army, whatever you want to call them, aren't you glad that God's army? Army is way bigger than Satan and the demon's army. And it's not even just bigger in numbers, right? One third of the angels, fallen angels, went with Satan, two thirds with God. So they way outnumber the demons. But the better, the bigger issue is this Satan's power, although he's powerful, demons are powerful, but they are not even the hair on the back of a flea compared to Almighty God. I mean, that's really the biblical perspective. And one of the reasons the scripture is very clear, this is in my study tonight, you're getting free, fresh stuff, whatever. But anyway, is, uh, uh, the scripture is very clear that Jesus not only came to rescue us from hell, uh, dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, right? Which is what our sins deserve, right? But he came to destroy the works of the devil, right? He's destroyed. He's defeated. He knows his gig is up. The demons know his gig is up. Jesus said that hell is prepared for what? The devil and his angels they know they're headed for the lake of fire but they're so stinking evil they're seeing how many people they can take down with them right and that's why god talks so much about them in the old and even in the new testament and even in future events bible prophecy because he wants people to not learn things the hard way how many guys got up today and says man i really want to learn things the hard way today oh come on let me do it again let me yeah hopefully you don't say that but, uh, but, but God tells us these things in advance, right? So now that's that aspect we're going to take a look at. Now tonight, we're going to take a look at the next aspect, and that is the tactic, okay? What are these guys up to? How do they, they kind of, you know, we, we know they're evil. We know they're real, just like Satan, right? But how do they how do, they do their dirty deeds? You know, how, what, what angle? Where, where are they at? Are, are, you know, are they just out in the world? Do they ever really try to mess with the church? Yeah, if you're really living for Jesus Christ, and if you're a part of a church that's preaching the word of God, you don't walk around in fear. We've already dealt with this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Amen. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. But don't make the mistake thinking that they're not trying to mess you up or they're just waiting for a crack. A crack in your church, a crack in your leadership, a crack in your walk with Jesus Christ because they're ready to pounce. Right? So you need to be wise. Don't be afraid, but you need to be wise. But let's take a look at our first example uh, of a tactic of uh, demons. Okay? Luke chapter 4 is our opening text. Luke chapter 4. Okay? And, of course, uh, Luke was written by Luke. Who needs internships? Ministry, you know what I'm saying? You guys are scholars. This is amazing. I feel encouraged as a pastor tonight. Luke, uh, Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 31 through 37, right? And, again, we could be here all days. We've already dealt with uh, so many passages, not just Old Testament, but New Testament, dealing with demons, 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 all right? 
Uh, and again, you're going to see when the word of God is being preached, when Jesus Christ is being glorified, guess who shows up sometimes or rears their ugly head because they can't take it, right? Well, this is what we see here. Luke chapter 4, verse 31 says this. Then he, of course, Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. And they were amazed. And as we saw before, the Greek word there for amazed literally means blown out of their mind, right? At his teaching because he what? His message had authority. As we talked before, what made one of the things so powerful and unique about Jesus was the synagogue teachings with the rabbis back in the day, they basically would be quoting commentaries all day long. So-and-so said this is what, see, and then so-and-so said this is dry dribble, and they're always quoting somebody else. Jesus comes on his own authority, and it comes with power, and they're like, whoa, right? But that's the first thing that blew him away. There was another thing that blew him away, right? In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by what? What? A psychological aberration. He was due to a poor economic experience. No, what's it say? Demon possessed, right? An evil spirit. And he cried at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I, uh, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Again, isn't it interesting? The demons know who Jesus is, why he came, what he's up to, what authority he has. And then many people not only deny Jesus, they deny the existence of demons. And who do you think put that thought in their head? Yeah. Be quiet, Jesus said, sternly, come out of him. And then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And the people, again, same thing. Whoa, blown out of their minds, amazed. At what? Okay. And said to each other, what is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread through the surrounding area. Wow, that's amazing. Now, what I want to bring about in this passage here, Jesus, of course, was what? Let's analyze it. He's preaching the word of God, right? He's preaching it with great authority. And dare I say, when you're faithful to preach and teach the word of God, it comes forth with that same authority. Not from you, not from the teacher, but from this book. It's authoritative. It's from the word of God. This is the true word of God. You preach it. It comes forth uh, with great authority. And so what happened? A what? A demon guy popped up in their head, right? And there was a guy literally demon-possessed. Now, I don't know if it was the, the preaching of the word or whatever, Jesus' presence or both that triggered it, but apparently he was sitting there and nobody knew. But then something went, <laughs> the truth came out, right? And, th and that's my point. Okay, now here's my point. Where did this guy appear, this demon-possessed man? Not in the world, not in a back alley, not in some creepy occult bookstore, not in some satanic ritual out in the desert like we talked before in our previous studies, okay? But right smack dab in the middle of the synagogue. And I'm telling you, I'm convinced the same thing happens oftentimes in churches today. And we're going to see a ton of proof of that, okay, as we've dealt before in some of our other studies, okay? Uh, I'll give you some examples. I, I, in our other facility... Uh, I remember, some, I was, I, man, you think it's really by chance that right when I'm sharing the gospel, uh, and it's just, man, you could just, man, just, and then all of a sudden, everybody just, I got to go pee. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to get up. I got to, it's like, you were fine the whole service, but right as soon as the most important part, I'm giving the gospel, right? And you're like a cat on a hot tin roof. Somebody put chicken in your pants, and you just, <laughs> I mean, it was nuts. We, and some of the, if you guys remember some, I don't know if you guys remember this one time, again, preaching the word of God and things going like that. And all of a sudden, this lady gets up and cursing at the top of her lungs. You guys remember that one? Oh, I'm sure that was just by chance. She's having a bad day. <laughs> I've had people at the other facility when I've come, come in and uh, needed some counsel. And, uh, and again, this is in the church, right? 
And, uh, and they're sitting, you know, they're talking to me, and I, I'm saying, man, something's wrong. This ain't right, right? Uh, and by the way, the people who brought in that, that person in my office, then they closed the door on me. So, yeah, they, they heard about it later. Don't ever do that, right? So, but anyway, so this person proceeds to do you know, a song and dance. I, I could sense something, this, something's wrong here. And it would never look me in the eye. And, and uh, as he's doing a song, oh, I do this, whatever. And I just felt impressed. Every time you get a chance, say Jesus, right? Jesus Christ, right? Because I, I felt he was possessed. And uh, so he's ah, just, you know, having a problem with drugs. Yeah, hey, yeah, I've been there, done that, you know, and share my testimony. But all I know is I called on the name of Jesus Christ and, and things of that nature. And, and, uh, and he's, yeah, but I'm just kind of down and out and whatever. Hey, pff, been there, done that, man. I, I, I remember one time I was so poor, I was completely destitute. I remember I needed to send a letter. And I, I even ripped out the car seats in my car that was broken down. And I, I couldn't even scrounge up enough uh, money to buy a stamp back when they were like 23 cents. But all I know is when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, he began to you know, turn around. So I'm, I'm just doing that. All of a sudden, I'm saying, Jesus, you know, but this Jesus. That, and then all of a sudden, he looks at me and he says, they're telling me not to. Because I'm telling him, to, you need to turn to Jesus Christ. And then he goes back down, and he wouldn't look at me. And I'm going, yeah. And I'm sitting there like, oh, thanks, pal, for shutting that door. But anyway, that's right. But anyway, <clears throat> so at that point, then you get up. Let me give you a little ministry tip for those of you in the intern. At that point, you get up while you're still talking. And you go to that door, and you open that door. And then you get out of there, and you go get some people. right? But anyway, so but, but this goes on, folks, all the time. Now, those are some obvious ones. But I mean, not to freak you out, but uh, aren't you glad that that person next to you is demon-possessed? No, I hope not, obviously. I don't want to start a church split or anything but nature. But guess what? I'm convinced that that goes on uh, in unhealthy churches, we'll see tonight, because they don't hold the biblical standard, and they never deal with any of this stuff. And the demons are not just there, okay? Uh, they are there in mass because they feel very comfortable, right? Because all the standards have been removed. But that's what we see. This guy pops out in the synagogue. The word of God is being preached. Jesus is doing so with great authority. Uh, obviously, this guy was not saved, right? And the people that I'm talking about going to church services, uh, they're not saved that if they're demon-possessed. Because a Christian we already dealt with cannot be demon-possessed. Uh, Paul's very clear that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. The Holy Spirit of God is not going to scooch over and share room with the demon. We also saw that uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said that when we come to him, he and the Father are going to make their home in us. So technically, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is inside you. And then you really think that now as a Christian, you're gonna, it ain't, no, ain't going to happen. So the people I'm talking about, they may go to church services, kind of like our James study we've been seeing. But just because you go to church services doesn't mean you're saved. These people really could be not just unsaved, they could be demon-possessed. Okay, so that's what we're, we're, we're dealing with there. Okay, and here's my point. Satan is not the only one who's behind, and I'll use this word because I think this is what's happened today. Okay, uh, the infiltration. As we saw the Satanists, even the witches in our 20-week witchcraft study, what are they doing? They're not just out there in the world, right? Just going, ha-ha, you crazy Christians, we'll stay away from you and you do your thing. No, they're invading the church, and so are Satanists. Remember that? In fact, the number one law of Satanism, do what you will, is the big giant teaching of the church today. It's all about you, learn to be a better you, build your self-esteem, you, 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 you. That's Satanism. So, so all that's already in the church. But guess what? It's the same thing, not just with Satan, not just with Christ. The demons, I'm telling you, have come into churches, and they are taking over. They're taking over, okay? Uh, and we're going to talk about that. Now, let's break it down. First way is they've tricked the church into a brand new service. Right? You, need, you need to spice things up a little bit. Right? 
And, uh, and again, they come in not just to mess with things, not just to uh, grab control, but ultimately to destroy you, right? What, remember the, the, the testimony of Glenn, the, the uh, uh, generational Satanist? Remember what he said? He was there as a generational Satanist in the Baptist church for two years. Nobody knew he was a Satanist, and he was there to bring that church down. And you know how he did it? Remember how he did it? He didn't draw, do a pentagram on the front and freak people out and whatever. Some of them do that to scare you, right? All he did was sit there and cause trouble. Do you hear about this? Those deacons are a bunch of dumb dumbs. That decision, they, no, seriously, that's what he would do. That's what he said. Oh, did you hear that? The pastor, they can do this, the PJ. Oh, did you hear so-and-so? They did this, that, and the church starts fighting, you're done. Right? Okay, so again, demons do the same thing. They don't just want to come in here, okay, and sometimes inhabiting people who are not saved, but they're here to mess things up, ultimately to destroy you, right? And again, that's, they started off with a new service. Just got to tweak it a little bit. But let's remind ourselves biblically, what is services supposed to be? When we gather together, what's it supposed to be about? Well, let's find out. Colossians 3, 16 through 17, let the word of Christ dwell in you once in a while when it works with your calendar. Or make those New Year's resolutions. A little drop here, a little drop there. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong translation. Let it what? The word of Christ, where do you find that? In the Bible. Richly, as you what? Teach and admonish, meaning correcting, one another with all wisdom. And as you what? Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and, and gratitude in your hearts to God. And, and in fact, you know what? Whatever you do, right? I love that. Whether in word or deed, do it all for the, in the what? In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay? The Bible says, folks, about, it's as clear and blunt as you can get. The reason why you and I gather as Christians is it's all about who? It's all about me, Right? It's, it, it's about, you know, what I want. It's, it's like, you need to sing the songs that I like. You need to preach what I want to hear. You need to be, well, that's what people think today. But what does the Bible say? What's the purpose of you and I gathering every week? It's about who? It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We come and we're taught the word of God, declaring with authority the teachings of Jesus, right? Old and New Testament, the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God, not some of it, not cherry picking, all of it. That's why we gather, to teach one another. And if we're out of step, to admonish one another because we need to get back on track because God's word's what's best for us. We sing songs together, right? Because it's all about that cool beat, man. That's why I'm here to feel good. Right? No, no, it's what? It's to glorify him. It's a love song because why? We love him. It's about Jesus. It's about, right? Now you would think that's common sense. Come on. But folks, what's going on today? It's not what's going on. We do not teach. It's his word. It's not singing songs of gratitude to him, Jesus. And it's not why I love what he says. Whatever you do, do it all for what? His glory. We exist for him. Everything we do, it's for him. It's about him. And the more we do that, the more that we grow, okay? Now, believe it or not, this is the new trend, right? I, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Church services are really boring, but you got to go. Punch in that religious, hey, if that's your attitude, you're already in the big trouble. But you, you got you to spice things up, right? Just a little bit. You know, spice a little bit. You know, a little good entertainment, you know. That, that'll bring the people in because it's all about big numbers, right? Well, that's the attitude. What's the Bible say? Jesus said, last words before he sends to the right hand of the Father, he says, go into all the world and make what? Giant numbers. No, he says what? He says, go make disciples, disciplined learners, what? Of God's word, right? You want to be successful in Jesus' eyes as a church? It ain't about numbers. It's, a, it's not numerical growth. It's spiritual growth, 
right? Right? You get out there and make disciples. You teach that word. You teach them to love one another, to love him, to sing songs of gratitude. That's a godly biblical church. That's a success. And so whether that's accomplished with five people, 50 people, 500, I don't care. I've said this to them, blue in the face, some other entities. I don't care if you got 5,000 people coming. But if only five people are saved, what in the world are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to actually encourage people to go to hell? You're going to stand accountable to God for that. Right? But this is the trend to the church, right? Oh, no, no, no. It's not, it's, it's, come on, man. Reading the Bible. What do you want the people to leave? You know, talking about sin and hell and wrath and you know, all that other stuff there. And, what are you doing a study on demons for? Are you trying to freak people out? You know, you just like got some entertainment, you know, just a little entertainment, a little bit here and there, right? And, and, and then cater to my needs, you know, what I like, you know, the, how I like it, me, me, me. And you're thinking, nobody's going to do that, right? We just saw it's all about what? Colossians, why? He's preaching his word. It's for his glory, his word, his honor, love songs to Jesus. And whatever we do, it's all about him because he saved us from eternal damnation and hell. And isn't that good enough? It should be, but that's the problem. And I'm telling you, folks, I really believe this is a spiritual warfare issue. I think that demons have come in, infiltrated the church, okay, what I call church world, okay, and what we need is a new type of service. We need to spice it up, right? Because that'll, that's, right? Because people are used to cable, right? Right? So you, got, you need some action, right? Come on. Don't you know anything about marketing? That's the mindset. Church is now like a business. With all these folks, all right? But let's take a look at this. These are actual encounters of people, which I believe this is a, a demonic deception. How are demons coming into the church, just like Satan and witchcraft? This is how. They've come in and twisted the church, and the whole atmosphere, the whole way we function has been demonically twisted, right? Let me give you some examples. I wish I was making these up. Uh, how about a beer drinking service? That'll really bring them in, won't it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sorry. Uh, excuse me? Most Christians are familiar with the biblical story of Jesus turning the water into wine, but now two New Zealand pastors are turning a pub into a church complete with beer drinking during the gatherings. Yeah. Huh? That'll bring them in. And while the sports bar service will not contain, watch this, any sermons or scenes, then how can it be a church service? The pastors say it will serve as both a place of prayer and a place to grab a beer. Huh? I wonder who put that thought in their heads down in New Zealand. Unfortunately, it's not only there, it's here. Uh, another pastor in California is doing the same thing. Some churches use tactics like providing coffee and sweets. But hey, that's not good enough. Right? But now a new church in San Jose has got a different approach. It, listen, provides beers for its attendees. Pastor Jenkins said, this is where real ministry takes place. Come on, I'll buy you a pint. I wish I was making that up. How about the tattoo parlor church? Yeah, come on. Yeah, we're all, it's all about you. Come on. Come on in and get a free tattoo. Yeah, I wish I was making that up. This guy, Michigan pastor, he's doing the same thing. Everything he can to reach people who don't feel comfortable with traditional houses of worship. You know, those ones that teach the Bible and sing love songs to Jesus. You know, the biblical ones. So he opened a tattoo parlor inside the church to help out. Reverend Steve Bentley said his ministry is built on the belief that mainstream religion has become ineffective. And here's the word you're going to see tonight. And this is the church has swallowed this baby up, digested it, eats it, regurgitates it, eats it every day. You hear this in every ministry thing and all the new leadership, church leadership. You've got to be relevant. Can I translate that for you? You've got to be worldly. That's really what that term is mean. But, but you can't say that because that sounds bad. But it's relevant. i got to meet their felt needs and be relevant. Anyway, so he says the church has become irrelevant for most people. And so 
He opened Serenity Tattoo. Doesn't that sound good? That's kind of like holy yoga. That makes it okay because it's holy. It's like people saying fried chicken. You know, hey, you can say fried chicken, boiled chicken, baked chicken, chicken, it's chicken. I digress. Serenity Tattoo. Watch this, folks. This is on tape. This is the new way. This will get the crowds in. Here we go. Ryan Brown is the manager of Serenity Tattoo Studio in Flint Township. He never imagined he'd work at a tattoo shop in, of all places, a church. Tracy Seaback can't imagine going anywhere else to get her tattoo. It feels good to me to be able to come in here and, you know, know that it's a nice, safe environment. Being home to a tattoo studio isn't the only unique thing about this church. They also host MWO wrestling events, and later on this year, they plan to bring in cage fighting. Yeah! Smackdown! Who needs the Bible? Now, we laugh at this, but think about what's going on here. I'm telling you, folks, I really think this is a spiritual warfare aspect. Who do you think put this idea into these people's heads? You're going to serve beer. You're, going to, you're not going to teach the Bible. And you actually think you're doing a good thing? This is what people need? Is cage fighting? It's demons, folks. I'm telling you, they've infiltrated the mind of the church in this whole new service. Unfortunately, we're not done. How about the hokey pokey service? Remember this one? Yeah, I wish I could forget this. Uh, hey, that's right. If you don't, hey, if that, hey if you, after you get your you know, beer, get a couple pints, and your, your new tattoo, why don't you scoot on over to this baby? Because you might have gotten in a car accident with your, now you're drunk after going to the beer drinking service and that tattoo, now it's infected, so you need a healing. Well, go to this one here. <laughs> and uh, it's the, quote, new movement called the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey Dance. And if you do this, you're guaranteed a healing, they say. I wish I was making this up. Three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit and we saw 12 people heal the word of knowledge and 40 healed doing the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a little Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. Are you can Put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you dig your right hand out. You put it in and you shake it and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand uh, out. When I started doing the hokey pokey, at first with the arms, uh, nothing, nothing real effect. But then as soon as I just start, we started doing the whole, we'll put your left foot in, your right foot in, both of my knees, you know, one at a time, I could just feel all of a sudden it's like there was no pain. Because, I mean, we just read the text. You sing songs, hymns of praise, hokey pokey dance. You get a guaranteed heal. I wish I was done. We've got a ways to go. The can-can dance. I don't know how to describe this one. Watch this. This lady uh, at a church service said that, quote, the Spirit of God gave her, that's right, the left leg anointing. I don't know why it wasn't the right or the arm or some other digit in the body, but the left leg anointing. And... Suddenly, she kicks up her left leg like in a can-can dance, doing this kind of thing like this. Now, as she's doing this, right, if you can see the video, as she's doing this, uh, people are supposedly in the direction of her left leg doing the can-can thing are being, quote, slain in the spirit, right? You know, Benny Hinn, he takes his jacket and or blows on, which my theory is that's probably an onion from the cheeseburger eating, whatever. 
But anyway, whatever. It's, which we saw, that's not even biblical, whatever. But anyway, so, so that's what she's doing. And then she keeps, she's saying, more Jesus. And this, now listen, to, I'll tell you where this is coming from. Watch this. And, and supposedly they're slaying the spirit. Listen. Then she proceeds to take the Lord's name in vain, saying, oh, my blank, oh, my blank, oh, my blank. Oh, oh. Which she lay, oh, my, oh, my goodness, oh, my. Well, that tells you what spirit you're operating under and it's the spirit of God. This is a joke. But, you know, that'll bring people in. Hey, man, were you there? That lady's leg was going off the chart. People falling over, man. It was amazing. I'm going back next Sunday. Give me a beer and a tattoo. Isn't this? This is going on in the church. Now, we laugh about it because that's obviously not what we do because we're called a Bible church. But this is the new way. It's relevant to bring in the crowds. It's like a snake church. Another church, the so-called pastor, kid you not, was hissing like a serpent, sticking out his tongue, grunting loudly as he walked through the crowd. All the while, people in the background were yelling and screaming, making animal noises. Yeah. Yeah, that's all over the Bible text, isn't it? No, it's not. And Lord willing, when we get to the history section of how in the world did we get in this mess, I, you're going to see the pagans are all over this. It's carbon copy, the same behavior. Uh, this uh, church service, uh, people were squealing like pigs. And they were uh, d- dancing a jig and squealing like pigs. Don't study the word of God. Don't sing a love song of Jesus, but squeal like a pig. And somehow that's spiritual. And then, of course, what they do? They had a potluck after her and <laughs> pigged out, Jim. You knew that was coming. Another one, this was a rough one because this hurt me really personally. It hit me right here in the heart, abusing my favorite food product. But uh, a lady was mooing like a cow in this church service, and the two so-called ministers were rolling around on the floor beside her. You know what's really interesting? When I read the scripture, which I highly recommend, um, when you see people rolling around, writhing around the ground, it's because they're demon-possessed. Not because it's a good thing. Right? Or, hey, it sounds Christian. These people are just bawling like sheep. Yeah, that's a bad service. But anyway, another one's you canine lovers. Huh? Everybody loves their dogs, right? right? How many guys love dogs? Raise your hand. Praise God. How many guys love cats? Well, we'll pray for you. But, uh, don't want to cause a church split. Hey, I love cats. Have you guys seen that bumper sticker? I love cats. They taste like chicken. But uh, I wouldn't do it because I don't like chicken, so don't get mad at me. But anyway, that's right. <laughs> but these guys are barking like dogs in the church service. That's crazy. And then, of course, another ones are barking, you know, making lion noises. That's good. Well, I'll tell you why I like that, because that's exactly where it's coming from. This is demonic, folks. What has this got to do with teaching, admonishing, singing love songs to Jesus? What do we do for the glory of God? Nothing, right? And this guy, you know this is evil. This pastor, oh, no, we, no, we don't need sermons. Forget the sermon thing, because that's just too boring, even though that's what we're supposed to do, biblically. This guy's actually clucking like a chicken, and you know that's evil, right? Oh, and by the way, you're staring at it. That is not Photoshopped. That's a real chicken with horns. Oh, you go look it up, folks. See, I don't need to take even track again. We got, we're going to be here till midnight. But uh, no, but anyway, watch this. This is, again, he literally, there is no sermon. This is it. You come and you get this. Video quality is not good, but you can hear the audio. This is crazy. Watch this. Okay, now, before we take off, you know, before we go surfing, Let's get the reading done. <clears throat> Luke, Luke, <laughs> chapter two, 
I tell you what, let's look at chapter 1. Verse, verse, verse. Zacharias was a member of the Abbey. Even that baby knew the difference. That's sick. That's sick. I wish I could stop. We've got more to go. How about toking the Holy Ghost? Remember this one? I'm telling you, folks, this is flat-out demonic. Everything you're seeing is demonic. It has nothing to do with the Scripture. But these guys have now taken drug use, and then they make it spiritual that this is the Spirit of God that you're, quote, toking the Holy Ghost. Watch this. this you tell me a demon didn't come up with this idea. But listen, these people who do this actually look down upon you and I. We're the unspiritual ones. They have a better, closer, more powerful walk with God. And we're just so lowly. We're not open to these new movements. No, I'm, we're not open to deviating off the scripture. But watch this so-called Toking the Ghost. This is nuts. What is Toking the Ghost? This is Toking the Ghost. <sighs> Toking the Ghost is simply putting your fingers together in the form of smoking a joint. But instead of smoking an illegal substance that's harmful for the body, you are inhaling the Holy Ghost with the access point of putting your fingers together looking like you're smoking a marijuana cigarette. But in fact, you are receiving impartation from Almighty God. I challenge you today that toking the ghost is an idea from the Holy Ghost to disturb the religious strongholds, to disturb religious demons, to destroy religious spirits from hell, and to get the church into the freedom and the laws of liberty in Christ Jesus so that you may, two things, glorify God and enjoy Him. I'm at Springs of Living Water Church in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm here with John Crowder. I firmly believe in token the ghost, right? <laughs> have a little Jehovah Wana. And so we just, <laughs> I have to, and the thing is, it's free. You just reach in your pocket. Wow, look at what's there. You just take a little... <laughs> A little, a little whiff of the glory. And you, <laughs> exhale. I'm just going to give you a little second hand right through the video screen, all right? Time and space are not an issue. This is a heavenly realm, all right? So you just access point right here. <laughs> oh, yo, yo, yo. There is no high like the most high. Hi out there in internet land. Um, I was just going to... I was just going to take a big old glory injection off of my baby Jesus. I just took my baby Jesus and I strapped him to um, a syringe. And I'm going to just take a glory injection into my veins on the main line. Get some of that big heavy liquid heavy weighty shooby booby juice just pumping through my veins from heaven. So. Here I go. Shingy boing boing ding 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 ding. Ding ding, add the word dong is about right. No, don't teach the Bible. Don't sing love songs to Jesus. That'll bring him in. We need a new service. It's much more relevant. That's demonic. 
We saw before, I'm telling you folks, I'm convinced this is a spiritual warfare issue. We're watching it happen. Witches came in. Remember we saw the witches' testimony? Remember that? They're in the, they're in the pews. And people go, oh, look, they're speaking in tongues, supposedly. No, they're, they're admittedly chanting spells to destroy the church. That's what they're mumbling. Satanists, we just mentioned Glenn. I'm telling you, demons, you may not see them, but they're either inhabiting people or they're inspiring these ideas into people to destroy the church. Because this is not going to teach them God's truth. The Bible's the only book on the planet to unbrainwash you from the lies from the evil one. The, the, and they're not given the gospel, right? It's a, this is a total perversion. So what do you accomplish? Nothing. It's a complete waste of time. I don't know about you, but maybe I'm just being dogmatic, but I don't think Jesus came all the way from heaven to die a horrible death on the cross just so we could sit around in our church services, so-called drinking beer, getting a tattoo, clucking like a chicken, and smoking a Holy Spirit joint. As obvious as that is. And yet, what do a lot of them do out there now? And I'm telling you, this word translates for what it is. It's re- we got to be relevant. No, that's your first slide. You're getting worldly, right? But the demons, again, they don't want to just infiltrate and then begin to control. Ultimately, it's to destroy. And I think this first fatal step in the church, which is now everywhere, okay, has now led to the next problem, and that is now we need a new Jesus, right? And you think, oh, come on, man. There's no way the church is going to... I'm telling you, they need a new and improved Jesus who's what? What's the word? Relevant, right? I mean, come on. Haven't you heard that old-fashioned Jesus is a little too boring, right? He, he, it's just, it's just we, we lighten up a little bit, right? And, and I'm telling you, folks, but before we get into how they've twisted this fake Jesus and promoting him in the so-called church services, let's remind ourselves who the real Jesus is, right? Two passages, Revelation 4, chapter 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with the eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And guess what? He expects the same from us. First Peter 1 Peter 1.15, but just as he, God, who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, Christian. Why? Because it is written in the word with authority from God, be holy because I am holy. The scripture is very clear. If there's one attribute God wants you to know, yes, he's love. Yes, he's just. Yes, he's good. Yes, he's righteous, but man, this is the only attribute of God that's repeated three times for emphasis. He is holy, he is holy, he is holy, and he expects his kids, like father, like child, to be holy too. Why? Because holiness explains everything. Why is there a hell? Because sin, which is the opposite of holiness, holiness means without sin, not even, as the scripture says, without even a shadow, a hint of darkness or anything. Well, how can that coexist? You can't. So there's, there's your reason for hell, unfortunately. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Because our sins separate us from God so that we can have a relationship with him again. And so if we don't take sin seriously as Christians, then how are people going to understand the seriousness of their own sin and their own dilemma of being faced with, if you don't get the sin thing fixed, through Jesus Christ, his graciousness and mercy and his death on the cross. And you're going to end up, if we don't take it serious, why should they? Be ye holy as he is holy. Because you've got to understand the holiness of God. In fact, I'm convinced if, until you understand the holiness of God, you'll never understand the 
love of God. Because when you understand that God's holiness demands punishment for sin and eternal separation, then it magnifies what Jesus did for us. He died for us while we were still sinners, ungodly, his enemies. Oh, thank you. But no, no, that's not relevant. That's not relevant, right? I mean, I mean, come on. Haven't you heard? People can't connect with that nowadays. That'll, that'll destroy their self-esteem. They'll leave if you start talking about that H word, holy. Well, in the other H word, hell. So we need a new Jesus. We need an improved Savior who's just like us, you know, who's full of sin himself, accepts every sin. There's no, you know, there's no talk about sin. There's no talk about God's hatred of sin or his wrath or repentance or the need to escape from hell. It's just, hey, come on, come on. It's the Beatles theology. Love, love, love. That's all we need. And again, you're thinking, no, come on. They can't do that. I mean, they already twisted the services. They're not going to. Make a new Jesus that accepts anything and any sin, and there's no consequences. And no, unfortunately, let me give you some examples. Pole dancing savior. What's the key word? Hey, folks, come on! Aren't you get with us yet? You want to you want to be a successful church? You want to get five thousand people to come? You know what? You need to be relevant, right? Here's a new way to express your faith. That's right. On Sunday, second Sunday of each month, Crystal Deans leans on a pole, uh, leads a pole dancing course for churchgoers in Texas. The Bible Belt. She says she realized that she could use her experience with exotic performing to help other women connect with teachings of Jesus Christ. Here's the video. Well, Melinda, I bet you've never heard of this one before, Pole Fitness for Jesus. And I know you're probably thinking, how on earth can you mix pole dancing with Jesus? Well, according to one studio up in spring, you can definitely mix the two. You're going to step in front with the inside leg. Now you are going to kick this one out. I actually, I was a dancer for three years. Okay. Um, probably seven years ago okay. or so. Um, I did it for a while. It's, it was not something that I felt very rewarded with, um, but to each his own. And um, it was just something I didn't really want to do anymore. So I actually decided to take the part that I liked about that and bring it here. Don't let the name of the class fool you though. There's no prayer beforehand. There's no crosses hanging in her studio. Just to, like I said, get past the whole stigma of the whole thing. You know, I teach women to feel good about themselves. I teach them to be empowered. So here and here. And you know, we get in really good shape. I mean, it does the legs. That's why we wear the shoes actually. No cross, no prayer. Get rid of that stigma of that, you know, that other kind of Jesus stuff. And, you know, and, and, and it's about them making them feel good about themselves. And, but it's exercise. What happened to jumping jacks? Why do you have to choose something that is a sinful practice that could lead people astray? And by the way, you just admitted it has nothing to do about Jesus. Nuts. How about the erotic church savior? I mean, if you're going to do pole dancing, why don't you spice it up for everybody? Maybe they don't have time to go to that pole dancing class. And I wish I was making this up. That actually is the most benign picture of what is actually going on in these services that I could share with you. And that one's still even a little bit risky. But this is a quote, the new erotic church service where a female dancer dancing in the middle of the church facility in the front of the altar and uh, nearly 1,000 people waited outside the door, and even though there was a thunderstorm. Oh, yeah, that'll bring them in. <laughs> and they had a caption at the front door, a, a warm welcome to the vineyard of love. 
Then a man came on the microphone and stated, quote, this is an erotic church service. Can you move a little bit closer, all of you? Then the faithful were asked to take part in an anointing ritual in which they should massage the forehead and the hands of the person sitting next to them. That's probably where COVID started. No. <laughs> they came from China. China. Remember that? China. Let's move on. <laughs> and then they announced, watch this. Listen to this, how unbiblical this is. Eroticism and lust are not taboo, pushed aside by God. Lust has to be lived out in a church service. What kind of Jesus are you worshiping? Not the biblical one. This is nuts. One person stated, hey, this is how church services should be. Yeah, if you're in the world, this is crazy. Oh, how about the transgender? Did you really think it was going to stop folks with homosexuality? You knew it wasn't. If you read your Bible, God says you just got over to a depraved mind and you opened up Pandora's box and it's going to keep getting worse. The Episcopal Church, and this is unfortunately just one mainline denomination. They're not the only one. Now they're uh, approving transgender men and women to become ministers, so-called pastors of the church. Uh, and again, it's a slide. Remember, used, used to be, nobody's even talking about this anymore. Homosexuals behind the pulpit. Remember, like, oh, that's child's play now because you know it's got to get worse and, worse. and that's exactly what's happening. In fact, now they want to have a new Jesus that approves even adultery, right? All this redefinition of marriage and uh, same-sex unions includes now what they're calling, should include non-monogamy, right? Because that's what happens when you get married to one person. It gets monotonous. No, I mean, it's, it's monogamy. You guys don't get that one. But anyway, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I got to explain it. You ruin it. Anyway, that's right. Uh, Non-monogamy, meaning I can be married to more than one person. This is from the so-called church, right? This concept says that we need uh, uh, between a man and a woman, that's outdated. Because remember, the Supreme Court ruled on that years back, right? And so now the new concept proposes multiple partners without, listen, the stigma of adultery. So you can, you can be married to several people, Mormons, and they're not the only ones. And they're some of the ones pushing this. That's part of their false teaching, right? And believe it or not, it's being tested because, again, you tweaked with God's standard. Marriage is between one man and one female, and now it's been tweaked, and now it's anything goes. And they're now wanting multiple partner marriages, right? How about just, let's just go into the occult. Okay, you know, it's just anything goes now. Well, believe it or not, that's happening. England hosted a New Age festival where it opens its doors, listen, to tarot card readers, crystal healers, meditation experts, and dream interpreters. Because that's what it's all about, right? You know, if you, if you want to find out what's going on in the world, you need to bring in a medium. You need to read the cards. And you need to read the Bible, right? Now, listen to the justification while they're flat out. And this is what we're all about. This is what we're going to get into the history and all that stuff, how this uh, arisen. But the quote, the church is what? In trouble with attendance. Six years in a row, they've gone down. We've got to do something. How about get back to preaching the word? Oh, no. So now they hold a festival. It's all occult stuff to, quote, embrace alternative forms of Christianity. And that's not too surprising because another church said, and I quote, Harry Potter is a Christ-like figure because he promotes biblical values. What Bible are you reading? What Christ are you following? It's not Jesus of the Bible. That's flat-out witchcraft. Are you kidding me? But that's, these are so-called churches, folks. A Protestant church in California teamed up with this lady. She's a high priestess of the pagan fertility goddess worship called Isis to help them, the church, so-called so Protestant, with their, quote, guided meditations in their latest conference. Merging. It's nuts. 
So what's this? It's just, it's just, how about just a whole new age service where we accept all religions? That's already happening as well. Here's just one example. Namaste. I'm the spiritual leader of the community, Loving Spirit community. Um, we have opened a center in Madison called the Center for Conscious Living. At the Center for Conscious Living, we do a variety, we have a variety of events that happen during the course of the week. Um, starting with Sunday morning, our Sunday morning, what we call our celebration of life, community gathering. Um, we do some chanting, some singing, some honoring of spirit in each other. Um, I get to do my little metaphysical rant, depending on what bird is on my saddle that particular week. do a guided meditation, um, allowing people to come on, a, on an inward journey that I facilitate. Feeling yourself em emerging from this darkness, which has become light. Once again into a universe of swirling, colorful energy. We see our function here as Encouraging, facilitating, and inspiring people to awaken to their true nature, to their spiritual nature, so that they can incorporate that perspective and that point of view into their daily lives to make their human experience more meaningful and more joyful. Wow, that's got to be godly. They seem so happy. Again, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being hard-nosed. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm no longer relevant for today's young crowd. But I'm just kind of thinking, you read the Bible and you don't come across this? You, I, I don't see Jesus come all the way to, from heaven to die a horrible death on the cross just so we could sit around having erotic church services, having our palms read, sliding down poles, saying the Hindu greeting namaste, which we saw before in our other studies, means I bow to the God in you. Uh, there's only one God. And it's not this new and improved Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he is holy, he is holy, he is holy. Which means this new and improved Savior can't save anybody. Jesus has a zero tolerance for sin. Why in the world do you think he went to the cross? You going to get rid of that too? Churches are. I don't have time for those videos. They're removing their crosses. They're changing their names. Not so-called Christian. Now it's all these things. Journey. Mosaic. It's okay to say, I'm a Bible church. I'm a Christian. What's wrong with that? But that's not cool. That's not relevant. It's not relevant. That's how you reach people. Got to be relevant. This is crazy. This is and again, who do you think came up with this? Demons. Now, real quick, and we got to move on to the final one. Uh, I only share this because I know directly where this came from. And even then, I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. Maybe it is just a smudge on the photo. But I know exactly who this came from personally. Okay. And it reminds me of before I got saved, what I used to see when I was involved in the occult. Almost carbon copy. So that's the only reason why it got my attention. But I believe that demons have not only infiltrated the church 
And this is why they've, get, they've made us swallow down this lie, be worldly, I mean relevant, to provide a new service because it's all about numbers now and a new Jesus so nobody's ever convicted just to keep them coming back and enjoy the show. But now I think that they're freely walking around, right? Because you're not preaching the Bible. When Jesus preached the Bible, what did, what did the demon do in the synagogue? <laughs> right? So when the word of God's being preached, when Jesus is being glorified, <laughs> well, that's the last thing they want. So if you could trick a church from never doing that, then they're comfortable, man. They're right there in your midst. Now, let me share with you. I'm going to give you the background on this picture. This is the actual photo. Uh, this is uh, two guys taking a church service. This is in Arizona. And uh, uh, it was basically after the service. And the reason why I bring this up also is because this particular church is one of the churches I've basically been describing. Got to be relevant. Don't really preach the word of God. Uh, it's all about just accepting anything and whatever thing goes, right? Now, uh, the, the guy that you can see there uh, in this on the left side, the light gray jacket, uh, the lady that took this, uh, that's her husband there on the left with the, the gray jacket. The guy on the, in the right uh, in the red T-shirt, uh, ju she just quickly snapped this in a couple of the photos right after the church service one day. Uh, and then she forgot about it. Uh, four months later, the guy there in the gray jacket was killed. He was shot point blank range answering after a knock at the door. Uh, police never found out who it was. They believe it was drug related uh, and things of that nature. So he's probably involved in drugs. Anyway, so uh, they, now she's dealing with the funeral. Totally forgot about this picture. And, uh, and then the family didn't have really many pictures of him. And she goes, oh, I got some pictures that I took of him, you know, four months ago when he, uh, at church services. And so she sent those pictures to the funeral home. The funeral home director calls her up and says, uh, who took these photos with what device and what location? And uh, that's when she began to examine. They says, did you see what was on those photos? Right. And so here's kind of a, a, a back out shot. Do you see that little kind of black thing going there? Let me zoom in a little bit there. Right? You could see it kind of zoomed in and even closer right there. Uh, and then, of course, if you back out. Now, again, uh, I'm not saying that that's real. I do know that this has not been Photoshopped. But what I do know is when I was involved in the occult, those are the things that I would see. And I just called them black apparitions. And they were always out of the corner of my eye. In fact, so much so back before I got saved, uh, we, we would see one just like that. And, and it's, it was at the corner of my eye. You could, you could tell it was there down the hallway or whatever. And then you would turn, it would disappear. But we saw them so many times. One of them we called, that, that was Harry. There's Harry again, right? Back in the day. So really, I think because of this slide, you're not what? Go back to the opening text. When the word of God is being preached with authority, when Jesus is being magnified, what happens? If they're in your midst, they what? They can't take it. So now, we don't have the word of God being preached. There is no authority from God's word because it's not even being preached. And it ain't about Jesus. It's all about accepting any sin because love, love, love. And apparently, these things are pretty comfortable. Which leads us to the last one, and that is a new style of worship. Right Now, the Bible is very clear. Uh, and we'll see this in a second, that when we gather, we're to worship. Worship, of course, the greatest way to worship uh, uh, Romans chapter 12 is the logical act of service after God's mercy, saving us in spite of us, even though we all, myself included, fall short of the glory of God and deserve death to go straight into hell. 
right? But because of his mercy, he saved us, right? Uh, Romans chapter 6, you get to Romans 12, and he says, therefore the logical or spiritual act of worship, it's lagikos in the Greek, it means logical. So the logical consequence of that is to give your life as a what? A living sacrifice. That's what's acceptable to God, uh, holy worship unto him. So really the best way to worship God, to use that term, is what? With your life. Now I say that because sometimes when you see worship, it's always music. No, not necessarily, right? But I am talking about this aspect. Even so-called worship music, I believe, has also now been infiltrated okay, to people. Because again, ultimately, been there, done that, wish I went and bought the t-shirt. Demons don't just want to be around in the midst. Demons want to inhabit somebody. Okay, and you think, well, what do you mean, in, in a church service? Again, if you got a church that never teaches the Word of God, they never give the gospel, they don't even have the real, true Jesus, they don't even talk about sin, hell, or nothing, you got a lot of people come on, guess what? They're probably what? Not saved. So every single one of those people, even sitting in the pew or the chair or whatever, guess what? They have the potentiality, because they're not saved, of being demon-possessed. And then here comes this final step of where if you can get people into an altered state of consciousness, then it opens them up to be demon-possessed. That's being done in churches as well. Now, let's go to what the Bible says is uh, true, if you will, worship, meaning through song. What's it supposed to be all about? Well, Paul tells us, Ephesians chapter 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the uh, Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine. Why? Because that leads to debauchery, right? Instead, be what? Filled with the Spirit. Now, this is a, a very important passage to understand. When we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit at salvation, we have all the Spirit of God. You're not lacking the Spirit of God. You have everything. The challenge from that point forward is, as Paul says in Galatians 5, walk, live, and keep in step, i.e. yield to the Spirit of God. He's already there. You just need to get out of the way. And then he will bear his fruit through you. You don't need more of the Spirit. You got all the Spirit. He's your deposit. You're guaranteeing your salvation. And that happens at the moment of salvation. So when he says, be filled with the Spirit... It literally means under the control of. And you know that also not just by the Greek word there, also by the context. Do not get drunk on wine. Now, when you're drunk on wine, what are you in that state? You're under the control of alcohol. Do you get it? That's what Paul says. Don't be controlled by alcohol. That leads to debauchery. If something's going to control you, let it be what? The Spirit of God. Well, how do you know that you're under the control of the Spirit of God? Then his fruit begins to manifest. Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience. You get it? It's not just rolling around on the floor, swinging from a chandelier, none of that stuff. Right? So again, you need to understand the context. So he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then what? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Here it is. Sing and make music in your heart to who? The Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. For some strange reason, it's always about Jesus. What a concept, right? But the Bible is very clear. What is the best things we are to do with music? We're to praise God with it. That's what it's about. When we come here, it ain't about what style you like. It ain't about what you want. It's not about what your selection you want. Okay, it's whatever it is, whatever genre. I'm not even hooked on the genre, right? I mean, if you force me to go through some country hick song, whatever, okay, as long as it's about Jesus, I'll work with you, okay? But seriously, in all seriousness, I, really, in essence, I don't care what it is. Within reason, if it's a truly God-honoring sign, a song, it's about Jesus loving him and thanking him, right? Then I don't care what the, don't get hung up on the style. It's about the content and the context 
and the meaning, the purpose, because it's about, all it is, is it's a time when we gather together, when we're preaching the word of God, we're praying for one another, we're, we're, we're encouraging one another as the body of Christ, and guess what? We have a specific time set aside out of thankfulness what Christ has done on the cross that we get to sing love songs to him. So who cares if that's just a drum or a piano or a, guitar or a spoon? Yee-haw! I don't care what, as long as it's about Jesus, praise God. That's what it's about, right? But that's not what it is. Oh, I don't like the music here. Yeah, You guys, I, I, I like bluegrass. I didn't think that was funny with spoons, Pastor Billy. You're making fun of my people. I don't care. Hey, I want something that's kind of more hip. You know what? Hey, come on, give me some a little bit more. It's not about the style. The question you should be asking, is it God honoring? And when I sing those songs, does it really draw me to Christ? My focus on Christ. That's what worship is about. But hey, not anymore. You know why? <laughs> Come on. I'm trying to drive people away. Don't you know anything about marketing? People don't want religious songs. That's not relevant. huh? You need styles that fit their need, right? And this is why you see churches today. They're playing ACDC songs in the church service and all kinds of secular songs. Really? You, re- you really, you, you just ran out of selections and you had to turn to ACDC Wow. But again, uh, this is what's going on. Because you've got to be relevant with the music. Because it's about what people want, whatever. And I really think this is what's part of also making uh, the demons so comfortable in church services today. Not only have you changed the church service, you don't preach with the authority of God's word. Uh, and and you've got this new and improved Jesus, which is a, a perversion that, that nobody's convicted of sin. You never talk about any of that stuff. But then when you're so-called singing worship songs, they're so self-centered. They have nothing to do about Jesus. They don't even mention the name of Jesus. And you're sitting there like, well, who are you talking about? Your boyfriend? Who's he? Your, is it your fiance? Is it your dad? Who is it? And we laugh because it's so stinking true. Now, here's my point. There's no other name under heaven by which, listen, people might be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven that listens, read the scripture, that demons must cower, flee, and obey Jesus Christ. So if you gut not just the word of God that mentions Jesus, no authority, and you don't even talk about the real Jesus who is holy, 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 who died on the cross to rescue you from what your unholiness deserves, namely hell, and then you gut your so-called worship music of anything about Jesus. If I was a demon, oh, I'd love that place. Because I'd be super comfortable because they don't like the name of Jesus. You mention Jesus. You preach about Jesus. You say Jesus just like that guy in my office. They can't take it. And so who do you think came up with this idea? We need more relevant music. We need to, we need to, you know, I I don't want to, I want, I've actually heard so-called Christian bands say this. Well, you know, our songs don't really mention Jesus. We're just trying to attract people. And then if, if they read if they read this really small print size 2 font down here at the very bottom, one line that says, we're Christians, on the back of the CD, that's our witness. Really. That's crazy. Now, again, uh, I really think that the style of worship today uh, is not just gutted of the name of Jesus, but now it's being done in a way you probably got a bunch of people who go to church services who are not saved. And unfortunately, if you're not saved, that means you can be demon-possessed. The only way that you can no longer be demon-possessed, been there, done that, wish I wouldn't have bought the t-shirt, is if you're a true born-again Christian. But now you got the church flooded with a bunch of non-Christians, and now here comes not just gutting the worship music. Now let's do it in such a way to prove how spiritually you are. Right? Because we all know that true Christians on fire for Jesus... Man, they can scream. They can shout. Woo! Raise your hands. Woo! Now, listen. 
I'm not, against, I'm not saying you can't show emotion. I'm not against that, right? Uh, uh, although I, w- I would say that if Jim got up here and started rolling on the floor, we'd have to lay hands on him, right? Uh, I'm not against uh, clapping. It's not against the law. You can raise your hand. I'm not against that, right? Although I do wonder if we're ever going to clap on time. No, serious. You got to pray about it. Right. You just get going, and there goes that, that one person's always, you're, you're off. And we all know who it is, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not against that, but there's no what's going on. How you, you, I don't know if you ever visited other churches, right? But that's, oh, you, want, you got to run around the place. Woo! Grab a flag. Woo! You got to make that noise. Woo! Right? And you you ever sit around, you ever sit in front, you're really into it, right? And you're, you're being godly about it. Your focus is on Jesus. And that person behind you apparently just took opera lessons. Oh, I was like, come on. I, but no, don't look that way. You, you draw attention. But I'm telling you, having been there, done that, coming out of new age, there's certain practices that you can do, physical practices that can get you worked into an altered state of consciousness. And the whole goal back then was to be possessed by a spirit. But this is what's coming into the church. And this is the new spirituality. And again, you and I would be looked down upon. You guys are just fuddy-duddies. You guys don't know how to worship God. Right? Now, let me show you, again, the tactics that the occult uses in false religions to get people possessed by a spirit. Watch this. During these uh, sessions, it's a very strange environment. People speak in tongues, they yell and they scream, they talk in foreign languages. It's like a madhouse and it's real crazy. Everyone bouncing around on foam pads, flying up in the air. Rajneesh is one of India's most controversial gurus, largely because of his endorsement of shocking sexual practices as a prerequisite for salvation. brand of yoga called dynamic meditation is a new age combination of Hinduism and psychotherapies. This exercise involving rigorous breathing and hyperventilation is designed to arouse the serpent force called Kundalini, which the gurus believe lies coiled at the base of the spine. Phase, the screaming phase of dynamic meditation feels like when you finally had an opportunity to throw a tantrum when you were a little kid. <laughs> By the time you get to the third phase of jumping up and down and yelling who, you're hardly there at all. And so it's pretty hard to remember what happens when you're there. I guess the closest thing I can associate it with is mindlessness. You get to a place where your mind actually leaves your body. Your body's just jumping up and down, and your voice from your gut is yelling, who, and you're not doing it anymore. You become one with this whole energy. The next phase in dynamic is the quiet space. Someone yells, stop, 
and you've just been doing 30 minutes of intense catharsis. And what happens after being in such incredibly intense movement for so long is just a feeling of peacefulness and stillness. My mind actually stops, and I feel a oneness with the whole universe. All right. Well, for, for what it is, let's analyze it. This is how the occult gets people worked up into an altered state of consciousness so they can connect with the spirit world, the universe. First, you do an extended period of jumping up and down, swaying back and forth, yelling, letting it all hang out. And then you keep that up and then stop. And then pop, something happens. Sound familiar? What if you were to take that and slap Christianese on it? Do you think that's being done? Yes, it is. Let me draw the obvious parallel. First phase, Hindu followers first begin with a form of repetitive movement combined with what? Music. Got to have the music. Repetitive for an extended period of time, right? We just saw that. Well, some church services today include people repeatedly running around, jumping up and down, swaying back and forth uh, to the beat of so-called worship music. Repetitive over and over and over. Second phase, we saw that the Hindu followers started to speak forth in a repetitive phrase, also known as a mantra, over and over again until it becomes what? They, what they say? I become mindless. Some church services include people speaking for their repetitive phrase, a so-called unknown language, over and over and over again until it becomes mindless. The third phase we saw, they then start to shout repeatedly over and over again as a way to release themselves from reality. Some church services include people shouting, yelling, screaming over and over again, or to let it all hang out, man. You're super spiritual and you're worship supposedly of God. And then the final phase, the Hindu followers finish the occult mind-altering procedure with a sudden ceasing of all activity so as to feel a connection with the universe or the spirit world. And then some of these church services today include, after being requested, after a prolonged period of repetitive movement, repetitive speaking, repetitive shouting, and then to be completely still and silent so as to, quote, feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. After these so-called worship services, all this repetitive over and over and over and over and over again, and then the, invariably somebody goes, He never left. He's omnipresent. Right? When did he leave? What is this, some Indian rain dance? Hey, uh, uh, get the rain to come down? That's how they act like it. That is not biblical at all. And I believe in some of these services, people are flat out being possessed at this point. You go, what? Not because they're Christians being possessed, but because they're people going to these new and improved, altered, fake services that don't preach the word of God, that have a fake Jesus and a fake worship that's all self-centered, very repetitive. It's the exact same thing. They just basically like slapping clothes on a pig. They slap this on the occult technique to get people into an altered state of consciousness. So these people going to church services who are not saved, they will be possessed. And you know what? They display the same behavior. They're writhing around the floor. Read the scriptures, right? When, when they go into convulsions, they got supernatural strength and things of that nature. And again, the Hindu version of being possessed is called the kundalini spirit. But you put all this together, folks, again, you, in the search to be relevant, 
We need a new and improved service. Don't preach the word of God. It's all about numbers. We need to spice things up a bit. That'll keep them coming back. We need to dumb down Jesus to a fake Jesus who just loves everybody. There's no consequences to sin. Don't ever even talk about sin. Which is the crux of the gospel and the whole reason why he came and died on the cross. And then now you got a bunch of non-Christians in your midst taking a cult technique, put it to repetitive music, repetitive words, repetitive behavior. And these people, listen, I'm convinced they are having a spiritual encounter, but it ain't the spirit of God. And then you and I are looked down upon it as we're the dum-dums. But let's take a look at uh, the manifestation of that. I want to show you some of the shocking things and, and just how similar they are to the kundalini cults of Hinduism and the New Age movement, Eastern religions. Um, the stuff that's been invading in the last, say, 16 to 17 years, I believe it's the worst invasion in church history became known as the Toronto Blessing, went worldwide under that name, the Toronto Blessing. Everybody knew what that was about, people falling down, acting drunken, laughing hysterically, shaking uncontrollably, or uh, jerking backwards and forwards, their, their head shaking back and forth, people even roaring like lions, people making animal noises. Um, you know, this stuff had not been seen in the church. I mean, it may be in a tiny way on the fringes. This stuff had never been seen in the church on this scale before, and it invaded worldwide. So all around the world, especially in the Commonwealth countries, we're talking England and all through the UK, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, and many other nations all over the world, all through Europe, all of the charismatic movement was into this stuff uh, for the large part. And so this thing became a worldwide sensation just in a couple of years. Now the basic question that we're asking in this documentary is why are these manifestations so similar to Eastern religions and Hinduism and the Kundalini cults and yet they're not found in Scripture, they're not found in the Bible, they're not found in classical Christianity at all. <laughs> of course, in Hinduism, one of the most common ways of experiencing a kundalini awakening is through a guru placing his hand upon your forehead. This is called Shaktipat. And when they do that, you'll be infused with this incredible love and this wave of emotion. You'll fall down. There'll be all these manifestations, maybe animal noises, uh, joy and weeping and shaking. This is a kundalini awakening. And amazingly, it is exactly the same as what we have been seeing in the Toronto Blessing. Now, one of the very clearest signs of a kundalini awakening has always been these kriyas. You see this woman involved in the New Age movement. She's walking along, exhibiting these kriyas happening, involuntary uh, jerking motions. And the staggering thing about it is that we are seeing again and again and again these exact same type of kriyas right through the Toronto movement. This has always been one of the clearest signs of Kundalini that we know of. A 
friend of mine from South Africa who's done a tremendous amount of research on this topic says that Kundalini is like a false Holy Spirit. It produces even miracles and healings and fusions of love and power and energy and emotion and uh, all these kinds of things and yet it's the Hindu version of the Holy Spirit and it's not holy. teach the Bible. That's not relevant. Certainly don't talk about sin. People don't want to hear that. It has nothing to do with Jesus. You want people to come? That's what you need to do. That'll bring them in. This is nuts. I just keep thinking about that little kid. Now think about that guy. All I could think about when I'm seeing him writhing on the floor, read the scripture with the accounts of demons before they come out. They have the people in what? Convulsions, foaming at the mouth, writhing around. And yet that's a better version of so-called church services in Christianity? And they're more spiritual. I wonder who put that idea in their head. So, just as we saw, I just want to give a little teaser. Just as we saw, unfortunately, with witchcraft... Because we keep our mouth shut on it, even though it's all over the Scripture, Old and New Testament, it's making the witches so comfortable they're coming in church services and destroying things. We just finished 16 weeks on Satanism. 65% of the church doesn't believe in literal Satan. We never talk about it, even though hello from the very fall of man to the very end when he gets chucked in the lake of fire. Old and New Testament talks about Satan. God tells us that so we're not duped because he's really out there messing things up. But now they're so comfortable that they could sit in a Baptist church for two years causing destruction, destroying churches, and nobody has any clue. And now, even this aspect of demons, I wanted to bring this up because it isn't just the witches, it's not just the Satanists, it's actual demons themselves who've already, remember he said invasion, I use the word infiltration, have already invaded the church, and I believe this is also a reason why we're seeing such great apostasy. So, Lord willing... Next time, we're going to get into the history of this. How in the world did we get to the point where full-blown occult activity, literally demon-possessed people, uh, and that becoming the new way to do, quote, church services, and then we're the ones looking down? How did that happen? How do we get into this mess? Well, thanks for asking. Lord willing, we'll get to that next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. 
But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The, the word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, 
the gavel's been passed. The judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, you even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.